You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is Matt Minnick here, and Mike joined by Michael Rogner for another episode of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Florida State Podcast. Uh, we've got a we've got an exciting podcast today. Despite despite no game for Florida State this weekend, they get the weekend off, fresh off their victory over Wake Forest, another another road victory. Um, we're going to talk about that. We we're actually going to cover cover that one first, and we're going to also look back at the. Uh, the last decade again. We had a lot of fun with the with the teams of the decade. So we're going to look back and maybe do an all decade draft between uh, Michael Rogner and I. Talk about some recruiting, some kids that might be coming in for this decade, and also talk about some of the the games to watch around the country and, and around the rest of the conference. Uh, but first, Michael, as you know, maybe the listeners don't. I am I am technologically not very, not very skilled. Uh, Michael does a lot of our back end stuff. We, uh, we've been doing this for about a month now. We, we, you know, we've been really liking it and getting great feedback, I think on the Tomahawk nation boards, but what's the feedback been? Uh, do we have any feedback on, on iTunes? Do we, are we getting rotten tomatoes here or what's going on? Yeah, we've actually, we've gotten a few. We've got, let's see here, 35 ratings. So thanks everybody for, for doing that. We've got one here from uh, meat socks. That's quite a, username meat meat uh, so like m-e-a-t yeah meat meat socks like meat and socks you just put it together you got yeah. a name yeah uh finally a quality fsu basketball center podcast great insight from matt and michael see that's nice that's you know that's nice somebody take the time yeah so is that. Other, we got another one yeah no i was gonna say is that the is meat socks our our lone lone response are, well, are they all five star do we surely there's got to be some people that don't like me well, actually, I think it's the opposite. We are five stars at this point. We have one here from uh, 
Let's hear Drulik, spelled just like it sounds. Drulik. Um, Drulik, um, yeah. amazing hoops podcast. Uh, Matt is always very insightful. Yeah, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't. I don't know if, if <laughs> Drulik is really listening or, or if he's just uh, writing reviews. Yeah, I think that maybe it's that they they know that you're really carrying the weight here, so they need uh, they need to lift my spirits up a bit so that I don't I don't get too bummed out. Like, right. Well, I, I will do my best. Keep on shooting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best to to drop something to amaze Grulik here in the future. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. No, we'll have. I, I'm glad that you know what. I'm glad that folks are are liking it, and it's something that we've talked about for a long time and bantered about the possibility. Would there be people who tune in to just a basketball talk? Right. You know, Florida State, obviously, football school, but. I think that it's it's really I'd say it's a it's a sign of just how well uh, Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones have have developed this program to the point that there are there are uh, 35 fans who not only are listening to the podcast but feel like sharing sharing their review as well. So that's great. Um, speaking of developing a good program, we are Florida State is 14 and two. And and ranked in the top ten of the country, it's probably going to be for two weeks now since since we don't play this weekend. Um, and fresh off a, a double digit victory in which they covered the spread over a over a pesky Wake Forest team, uh, Michael, what was uh, what did you think about that? Did it play out as expected? Yeah, that was a pretty frustrating game to watch, especially the first half. We you know we had talked about it on the pod that the the way that Wake could pull the upset is by getting a referee crew that wouldn't let FSU defend. And, you know, they went to the line, what was that, like 22 times in the in the first half. We had a, a walk-on play 10 minutes in the first half. We, he did a great job. So, you know, shout out to him. Yeah, um, Harrison Preto. Way, way to go, buddy. Yeah, and the, the, the announcers never caught on that he was a walk-on. So that was that <laughs> Even was better. He's playing so well that they don't even realize that it's a walk-on. And then the second half, so we come out in the second half, and Wake just has like this five-minute stretch where they were they were playing like the number one team in the country, and I think they actually they took the lead there for like a minute or, or two yeah, minutes. Yeah, no, they led I think forty-five to forty-one. Maybe I mean, we didn't score for the first five or six possessions right out of halftime, and, and they yeah. did. Yeah, three turnovers, and then it just kind of got sloppy. But then, but then we, you know, pretty much dominated them you know, for the last, what was that, 15 minutes of the half. So yeah. for 35 minutes, FSU was clearly the better team. Um, you know, the refs kind of got involved a little bit there in the first half. And so, yeah, um, you know, a couple of things that, that I thought we did well. We got, you know, took 24 shots from around the rim, which is which is pretty nice. You know, we had, uh, you know, I think we took 39 twos overall so that leaves about 15 shots you know that are in that mid-range that you know you're never you know they're, they're not great shots but they're just shots that you kind of end up with sometimes sure um you know we took 23 threes we didn't really we didn't really make a bunch but uh, you know we, we at least got a lot of open shots um in the defense you know did enough it's it's hard to evaluate the defense a little bit because of the way the first half was whistled, you know, but the D de- the defense overall did a really good job. And, you know, except for, uh, you know, Olivier Saar and Brandon Childress, you know, they kind of did a pretty good job shutting down most of the wake, wake roster. Uh, Devin Vassell was the Ken Palm MVP. And I believe, let me see here. I think this is his, um, 
So it's his one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh Ken Palm MVP on the season. Uh, two out of the last three games, he was also the MVP of the game against Georgia Tech. We talked a couple podcasts ago about somebody needs to kind of – we don't necessarily need a go-to player. I, I, I'm fine with a team not having a go-to player. But you do need someone who is going to step up and kind of be that alpha dog in certain – you need someone that coming into the game, like that guy, they have to know where that guy is on the court at all times. Is Devin Bissell stepping into that role over the last couple games? Absolutely. Uh, Florida State's running a lot of, of actions for him, which is a – which is a sign that the coaches are, you know, see him in, in, in the same way. You know, a lot of, a lot of baseline sort of double screens freeing him up, uh, which is which is nice to see. We had, we've talked about this in the past. We want, you know, Vassell, MJ, and Trent taking the majority of the shots. And in this game, they they took I think fifty three percent of the shots that Florida State took. Yeah, um, and I, they I'd were actually they were the three players who they played. Uh, so Forrest thirty four minutes, Vassell thirty three, MJ Walker thirty two. No one else was over twenty one minutes. Yeah, then and that's that's great. There was there was only five minutes and change, like five minutes and eight seconds, where at least two of them weren't on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I don't think there was ever a stretch where none of them were on the floor. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the 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 coaches are obviously listening to the pod, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> follow, well, follow actually, it's advice. funny. You mean, I've got an invoice ready to send out to uh, to Stan on that one. So. <laughs> yeah, he 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 pays quickly, from what I hear. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, but so offensively, it does seem like, like you said, Vassell is at the very least becoming a guy that we are running sets for and action for. I think um, we've seen Trent become a bit more efficient over the last couple of games too. And maybe some of that is having a guy like Vassell that you're able to count on and know, know which spot he's going to be in, you know, where he likes the ball. I want to talk though a bit about Vassell's defense too, because he's, he's really, I mean, he's always been a strong, uh, I think defender in space, but he's, it seems like this is his second year now where he's starting to really grasp our system and, and kind of the rotations that when to come down and help and when to stay out. Uh, I mean, he had three blocks, he had three of the team's five blocks. Uh, he had a couple of steals. He grabbed four defensive rebounds. I mean, it, it seems like he's on the verge of kind of becoming a complete player. Yeah, I've, I've I've been really impressed by his defense. He's he is defending really well within the system, you know, which means that he's he's helping at the right times. At Florida State, you're going to get a lot of uh, um, sort of collisions down in the paint where you got two or three Florida State guys coming in there to to shut things down. And he and he's done well. He's already got I think 19 block shots for the season. And if if you go back and you start looking at the list of Florida State players who have blocked more than twenty shots in a season, you're you're not, you're not seeing very many, you know, perimeter players. It's it's all going to be you know Michael Ojo, Chris Kamaji. I think the smallest guy in recent years is like Jarquez Smith, and he was like what six eleven or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been really impressive to see what he's doing. <laughs> it's it that you just gave me a th- we should maybe when we get a little bit further into the the season here, we should look at guys who. Um, who have maybe at least 25 blocks and also, you know, 30 or 40 made threes. Cause I, there's just, I don't know that we've had a lot of players quite like him with, with his length, but really from a guard's position, I mean, we talk about positionless basketball, but he he's 
for all intents and purposes, kind of if we're playing a three out, like a four out one in, he's kind of playing in a guard's role for us, uh, but just with, with those crazy pterodactyl like arms. Um, the other guy though, I wanted to get your thoughts on, cause we, we've been, you know, a little hard on Raekwon Gray and, and I'm and to be fair, I'm sure he's been, you know, hard on himself too he hasn't played the greatest basketball uh over the last few games and it really seems it's not that the kid's not talented i actually think he's got a very unique skill set but he, he seems to be at times forcing too much of the action instead of maybe doing what um what mj walker has done a much better job of this year which is letting the action come to him and picking his spots of when to when to take over but Gray had a real nice second half, uh, perhaps the best half of basketball he's played since um, since the beginning of the year. Was there anything that, that stood out about what he was doing differently or how he uh, contributed? Yeah, I, f- I feel like in the in, in our Slack room, where it's uh, like I'm the I'm the president of the Raekwon Gray fan club, and most of the year I've just sort of hung my head and and not said much. But but this game is something that he can point to. The first half he he committed two fouls in like the first minute of the game or something and, you know, missed the rest of the half. <laughs> Excuse me. Like, and like then, every player who committed to, I want to come back to that by the way. So put a, put a pin in the two foul participation rate, but yeah, yeah. go ahead. Uh, but then, and then in the second half, he was, uh, he, you know, one of the things that he's really good at is sort of recognizing when there's a lane open to the, to the rim. He's, he, He's not great getting there just because he's he's kind of a big guy. He dribbles high, you know, and he, he, he so he hasn't quite figured out when there are helpers who can come in and take the ball, but he can get to the rim and he did it. He did a really good job of that um, in the second half. He had he had two like, you know, drives from basically like 23 feet. Um, his numbers would have been better if he would have hit free throws. He was only two of six and he's a, he's a much better shooter than that. Um, but he, you know, he had a couple assists and and uh, uh, maybe a block or something. So yeah, that was a good. <laughs> that was a good half for him. Yeah, no, it it was. I mean, it, so he was one. I think he had a, a travel right out the gates. Um, that was one of our two or three possessions that the first. I think the first three possessions in the second half ended with a turnover. And and I kind of, I'll admit, I kind of had that like. God, here. I mean, really? Can it, at this point he's like hurting us more than helping us because his defense has, while his offense has kind of cratered lately, his defense has remained fairly strong, except for uh, some foul tendencies. But he really picked it up, and I think perhaps this shows it better than anything else. So the Clemson game, he had a 191 offensive rating in 17 minutes, and a lot of that. Was, I mean, he just was efficient in that game. He scored seven points on only. Um, two shots, made his free throws, uh, had an assist, had some, had a block, had a steal. Um, since then it was kind of downhill. It was, you know, a 133 rating against North Florida, which is, which to be fair is good, but it's against North Florida, 96 against South Florida, 76 against North Alabama, a 46 offensive rating against Georgia tech. Um, and then a 30 against Louisville to, to be honest, he was the only player in the Louisville game that, that, really seemed like was not playing at an elite level for Florida state. Um, so it had been a, a rough four or five game stretch and he bounces back here with a 116 offensive rating. So, so his best, you know, in a real game since the Clemson game and, and I'll be, I'll be honest. I think he was a big reason of why we were able to, to lock Louisville or lock Wake Forest down for the last 15 minutes and, and really just show who the better team was. We're a better team when Raekwon Gray is playing well. Is that fair? 
Yeah, he also had to spend a lot of time guarding a seven-footer, you know, and which is not easy for him. It's especially a pretty skilled seven-footer. And and Florida State was doing a little a little weird stuff with the way that they were switching in that game, and you're trying to trying to leave Osborne and Gray down in the in the in the paint more. Um, so he he didn't have uh, big rebounding numbers, but he did a he did a good job keeping his guy from getting a rebound, which is half the battle. You know, you Absolutely. want your bigs to yeah, you just want your bigs to clear space so that your guards can come in and, and kind of clean all that stuff up. And he did a good job of that. So well, we absolutely to, yeah, go ahead. We absolutely need him, you know, to be playing well in March uh, for this team to reach its 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 peak. And you know, hopefully he can he he can build on that game. And and even sooner than March too, you start to look ahead. For example, maybe you peak. You know, players hopefully aren't, but fans can peek ahead to the Duke game uh, that might be a, a showdown between. Um, you know, the top two teams in the ACC, we don't have, like, if particularly if Balsa is still hobbled or, or not 100% and Dom can play in stretches, but I don't know if he has the conditioning to play, you know, for long periods of time, we don't have anyone else besides Raekwon Gray to maybe body up someone like a Vernon Carey, right? So we're going to need uh, Gray to be playing within himself and under control on the offensive end so that he can be on the court to be that guy that is, you know, attack or defending a carry and keeping him off the offensive glass and, and allowing others like a Forrester or Vassell to grab those defensive boards. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Um, you know, Raekwon is, is taking himself out of games, you know, with, with the whole two foul thing, which you, you know how I feel about that, but um, he's, he's, just taking himself out and, and against a team like Duke where Vernon Carey is, is just, there's no player that we're going to see all season long who is as much of a load as that guy. Uh, we're going to need Gray and Osborne and at least one of the seven footers to be, you know, rared and ready to go. Yeah. And so let's talk about that two foul. Per- and when we say two foul participation rate, we're talking about in the first half, right? I mean, I think most players play, um, play in the second half uh, with two fouls. But there, there is an old traditional school of thought that when a, when a guy gets their second foul in the first half, you kind of sit them for the rest of the half uh, so, that, so as for them not to get their third foul. Um, the, the data on that has increasingly you know, showed that they're, they're not more likely to necessarily pick up, even get into foul trouble later in the game, and all you're really doing is guaranteeing that your best players are on the bench where does Hamilton stack up nationally, like among the 351 coaches, uh, you know, roughly is, is he on the conservative side or maybe the more modern side in terms of two foul participation? Yeah, he's, he's almost last and it's always that way. Um, the, 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 you know, I don't have a problem so much with, with having a guideline of, of if you've got two fouls, you're going to sit for the half, but there are, there are games where there's going to be a massive drop off from uh, the players who are participating and the players who are not. And so in a game like this, I thought that we really had a chance to blow wake out in the first half, but instead we're playing, um, you know, Prieto and Wilkes for a total of like 17 minutes, 17 minutes. And, and, and not playing some of, some of the other guys. And so I, I, I think that they're most basketball coaches, um, are kind of moving 
uh, away from having such a hard role. And this is one of the, this is one of the things that Ham's just not changing. Um, he's, he's, he's obviously changed a lot of other things in the, in, in recent history. So maybe he will rethink this, but for now it's, it's, you know, probably cost us the, the opener against Pitt. I think, and, I think I would agree with that. You got to get either Vassell or MJ back on the court for that game. Yeah. And, and, and you know, there's certainly an argument for, for sitting guys with two fouls. I mean, they, they, they don't, that's, they don't defend as well. That's proven, you know, you, you can, you're taking away options at the end of the game, whatever, whatever. Um, but I, I think, I think from, from my perspective, it's pretty clear that you got to be flexible on this stuff. Yeah. I, I would, I'm not necessarily advocating that we just throw caution to the wind and play guys until they have four foul. I mean, shoot last year, Fiondu would have, would have fouled out in the first half if, in a couple of games if we didn't um, we didn't sit him down for a bit. But uh, I I agree that you can't. There comes a point in time where you have to try. If if you have five or six guys with two fouls, I, I just would rather Devin Vassell is a great example. He he does not pick up a lot of fouls uh, in that pit game. I, I think I'd like to see if if he could go another four. And even if you even if you bring him in for three minutes, let him do it sit him down again for three minutes, but to go 10 minutes with, um, with Wilkes and, and Preto on the court at the same time, I agree that we lost a chance to maybe blow up in a game. We're fortunate that we came back and did what we had to do in the second half. I was watching a game a couple weekends ago. It was LSU, Tennessee, and uh, Will Wade, Skylar Mays for LSU, who's kind of their heart and soul, picked up his second foul with about eight minutes to go left in the first half. And, um, Will Wade took him out briefly. It was very clear that Tennessee was going to kind of pull away at home. And I think they had maybe increased the lead to seven or eight and Wade put him back in and, and LSU was able to either tie it up or get close to tying it up right before half. And, and that gave them a lot of momentum going into the second half where they eventually pulled away and kind of blew out Tennessee. I am by no means suggesting that Will Wade uh, is, is a fantastic coach. I, I think Hamilton, what he's done with his program is incredible. And to your point, the modernization has really been just uh, breathtaking. But it is the one thing that maybe you'd like to see us uh, get a little more modern. We're 339th, to your point, in the country yeah. in two-file participation. It'd be great if we could get that up into like the 250 range. Yeah, I don't want to talk this thing to death, but Chris Chris Beard is a great example. You know, Texas Tech head coach. He's one of the great young minds in basketball right now. And his first two teams at Texas Tech, he was basically treating it like Hamilton treated it. You know, he just auto auto bench with two fouls. And the last two teams, he's basically plays guys with two fouls about as much as any coach in the country. So he he totally just flipped the switch from yeah particip- participating the least to participating the most. Yeah. And to be fair, we do have depth, right? And part of having depth, part of the advantage is that you get to then have guys you can count on when others pick up foul trouble. Uh, so I don't want to overlook that fact that, you know, last year, if a guy like Fee came off the bench because someone else had two fouls, that's great. I, at the same time, to your, there comes a point in time where the, the win above replacement metric, if you will, is just such that you got to play the guy with two fouls. Let's move on. I think we've, we've beaten that one to death. Um, so, as we mentioned, 
we talked a little bit last time about uh, the, that the teams of the decades. There was some good discussion in the comments as well as which which teams maybe were the best. Um, this time, I thought it'd be fun since we're still just brand new into this new decade to look back and we're going to do a little bit of a draft uh, between Michael and myself. We're, we're going to each draft a of what we're calling a finishing five since under Coach Hamilton, the starters don't matter. It matters who's on the court at the end of the game. Uh, and so we're going to draft a finishing five of any player who played on a team uh, between the 2010-11 team and the 2018, or uh, I guess, 18-19 team. Um, and, and so they only had to play at least one year during any of those uh, teams. Uh, and the rules are that we are we are doing a snake draft of, of a team. So it may not just, you don't necessarily have the best, you know, most talented guy, but who is fitting together uh, as an actual team that could uh, beat the other. So, so team Minnick is, is attempting to beat team Rogner on a, on a neutral court. Um, are you, are you good with that? I think so. I, I, I'm ready to draft the better team. Right. Well, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, but at least you're ready to draft and, and being as a nice guy as I am with all my five-star ratings, I will, uh, I'll allow you to go first. Oh, yeah thanks for that um yeah that the first pick is super easy for me there's one guy who totally stands out as as the biggest matchup problem that Florida State's had in the last decade and that's John Isaac so I will take him number one all right since it is the first pick here why uh just give us maybe a little 30 seconds here why what makes John Isaac the first pick of the last decade well I think what we saw at the end of the year that the one season that he played here is that there were multiple levels of the game that he could just totally dominate. You know, there were, there were nights where he'd go out and grab, you know, 12 or 14 rebounds. You know, there were nights that he would guard, um, uh, you know, f from one to five, you know, so he's guarding the point guard, he's guarding the center, you know, he was, he was just a, a total uh, weapon, um, for the coaches to use. And then when he was on offense, it's just like, you know, who's going to guard him? I mean, he's 6'11", he can shoot, he can do all this stuff. And and by the end of that year, he was getting much more comfortable sort of in his size and in his skill set. Um, and and I would I would argue that that sort of down the stretch, he, he may be the most dominant player that, that FSG's had in, in recent history. Well said, and I think well-deserved for – uh, John Isaac, who, who amazingly enough is as, is as good of a guy as he is a player uh, down there with the Orlando magic. I will. Okay. So I'm going to snake pick it now. I'm going to take back-to-back uh, -back picks here. And given the, given who you just took at number one, I, I think I'm going to, I've settled on uh, for my first pick. I'm going to go with Chris Singleton, who I, I kind of think of as like a little bit, maybe Isaac light. He was, he was a little bit, uh, not quite as long, uh, not as offensively gifted, but defensively, everything that you just said about John Isaac uh, could also be said about Chris Singleton. He was absolutely the reason why our 2011 team had had the number one defense in the country. Uh, we're talking about a guy who grabbed, you know, 17% of the defensive rebounds, almost 6% block rate. Uh, incredible lateral quickness to just swallow up uh, passing lanes. Uh, we're talking about a 4% steal rate. Um, and he, while not quite Jonathan Isaac offensively, he could step out and hit 
uh, hit some threes time time here and there. He was 36%, 37% his senior year or junior year, his final year here. I'm going to back up Chris Singleton with another uh, long multi-use uh, kind of jack, uh, jack-of-all-trades player with Terrence Mann. Uh, I don't know that we need to – everything that's been said about Terrence in the last couple of years uh, probably already has been, but just, just an incredible selfless player who was part of the winningest team in, in FSU basketball history. So I'll go Singleton Mann. I was hoping one of those guys would fall to me so I could have sort of the all Swiss Army knife team, but you got them both. So <laughs> I need I need a shooter, so I'll take Mike Snare. He's he's Good probably pick. joins John Isaac on the all nice guy who are killers on the court team. Um, and then uh, I hate to do it to you, but there's one clear point guard for the decade, and that's Trent. So I will I'll take Snare and Trent. All right, so I, I hope the game does not come down to a last-second shot because I think you might have just uh, won it with your snare pick. And, uh, and yeah, Trent, Trent is the best point guard of this past decade since, since Tony Douglas did not play in the last decade, um, which means I need to at least grab a point guard here. So I'm going to go with, with Derwin Kitchen, uh, who, for folks that don't know, has had a fantastic career over in Israel. Um, but – Kitchen, I think, really had the, the size and, and length to kind of body up a guy like Trent or a, or a Mike Snare, at least, and he could also run the offense uh, fair, fairly well. And, and this maybe is a little surprise here, but with my fourth pick, I'm going to go with, uh, with the guy we were just praising, Devin Vassell. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and just say that you can't – there aren't passing lanes on my team between Singleton Man and Devin Vassell. Uh, and, and to top it off, I'm just going to have, have him over in the corner shooting threes all day long. Nice. Nice. I, Devin's another guy I was hoping to get. Um, so you're taking, you're taking my guys. Uh, somehow we've gotten what it was seven players drafted. Nobody's taken uh, bacon. So I will just, I won't even think about what I need for my team. I will just take him. Um, and then I BPA, definitely right? need best player available. Yeah, right. I need. I definitely need another shooter. Um, there's some guys. <laughs> there's some guys out there. Um, but I, uh, geez, I'll take. Uh, it, I'll take Beasley. It's just. It's too hard at this point to pass on a first round pick. First round pick. Who, to your point, can can shoot the net off the the rim. So. Uh, may, maybe that's my, my defensive weakness that I can, that I can attack. I don't know, but you certainly just space the court. Um, bacon is a great to get bacon in the fourth round. I feel like I, maybe I overlooked him there, but, um, all right. So my fifth pick here, I need someone who is just going to intimidate and, and you've got, you know, snare and Trent bacon, all these guys that can slash to the hoop. So I'm going to take Bernard James and just, just shut down the rim right there. Uh, for my for my final guy, so so what do we got here? We you've got I was trying to keep track here. You've got Isaac Snare, Trent at the at the point, Bacon and Beasley. Uh, so I, I feel like you're full in with the four out one in roster, and maybe even five out at one point. Is that is that what you're going with there? Absolutely, yep. You're just gonna I'm, just space yeah. and play space all day. Yeah, I'm I'm. Uh... I'm going to put on my, my coach ham uniform and get out there and do this. Yeah. Okay. And I'm rolling out, uh, I guess kitchen at the one, uh, with, with kind of man Vassell and Singleton all, all playing the wing and Bernard locking down the rim. Uh, let, let's do a, but since, since F since Hamilton's all about depth, uh, why don't we do a bonus here and say, uh, we each get a sixth man to bring, 
to bring in in case there's a, a foul trouble. We get those rests from the Wake Forest game, and we get some foul trouble here. Um, I'll, I'll go since you started off with J.I. This, this one could be a, out of left field, but I feel like I need someone off the bench who is just an instant offense and, and surrounded by the kind of talent that's on my team. I really think he would just, just shoot the, the lights out. I'm going to go with Devin Bookert. Was career 42% three-point shooter, um, selfless guy who not the biggest, but I, I've got enough length on my team already, and, and he understood uh, Hamilton's principles and systems. And really, I just want him to just sp- bring that defender out to 25 feet and just, just knock it down. I, I like that pick. If Booker were on the uh, like this year's team or last year's team, we'd probably be thinking about him in a different light. Instead, he was on some teams that maybe weren't that good. Um, I'm going to, for my guy, I like the sixth man idea. There's a ton of good players still out there. I can't imagine how they didn't get drafted, but I'm going to go with a Carl White. You know, he's, he's kind of a, the original, the original kind of do everything guy for for Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great pick and and certainly not going to hurt your leadership either that you got going with J.I. Snare and, and Trent. Um, Wow. So who, so Fiondu didn't get picked. That's amazing. A first round draft. Are, are we, are we just idiots or, or is, is that a sign of how much kind of the depth of talent that's been going around uh, Tallahassee the last 10 years? Yeah. Probably a little bit of both. Probably a little <laughs> bit of both. Um, MJ Walker did not get picked. Oh, wow. That's You're another. right. Yeah. MJ. And uh, what about XRM? Mr. 30 points yeah. in four minutes himself. Right. X Ian Miller. Yeah. Uh, Brian Angola, Dulkies, Laux. Uh, yeah, Angola. That's a, a good one too. Laux. Yeah. Wow. Some good players. I'll be interested to see. Why don't uh, some folks maybe in the comment section put together your team? Um, you know, would love to see some of the other teams out there. And heck, maybe if you want a real challenge, try to put together a team from the guys who haven't been picked already. Uh, but for, we're going to take a, we'll take a quick break uh, and, and, let, let someone tell you about a product that they would like you to buy, and we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. So we just looked at the kind of the the finishing five slash six man uh, of the last decade, the the Rogner versus Minnick. Uh, draft off there. Let's talk about some kids that we hope to be part of the basketball program in this current decade. Uh, we're talking recruiting. Yeah, ring the bell. All right. Um, we've got we've got some official. Vi- so already signed is Scotty Barnes and Sadar Calhoun. Uh, we we talked about them on a previous episode. Um, we've got some folks coming in for official visits uh, coming up. Uh, do you want to, you want to talk about uh, the one, so there's a January 24th visit and then the February 2nd, the UNC game visit. What do we got on the schedule? Yeah. These are guys that are class of 2021. So it's, you know, ne- next year's class. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. Great point. <laughs> yeah. And they're, and they're, they're all, everybody we're going to talk about today is going to have offers from everybody. I mean, these, these are the top 
um, you know, top of the class kind of guys. So for the, the, was that January 24th? That's we're playing That's Notre, Notre Dame, Dame home game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So for Notre Dame, we're going to have a couple guys in. Um, the first one is Bryce McGowan's who's a, who's a, a guard out of um, South Carolina. People might know his brother who plays Trey McGowan's who plays for Pitt. Um, and at, at this point it, it, <laughs> excuse me, it kind of feels like a, like a you know, Pitt Florida state battle is probably not going to end up that way, but but McGowan's is a kid who is um, certainly making the most of travel time. And he's, he's hitting up a lot of schools on unofficial visits. Um, I would ex- expect him to, uh, to spend a lot of time with coaches in the, in the coming months. So it'll, he'll be a much coveted guy. And he's, he's a lot like his brother in that he's, he's um, you know, a big long guard who can score from everywhere. He's, he hasn't, he hasn't filled out physically yet, but he will. Um, and, and he'll be, uh, you know, sort of like a MJ Walker, uh, type, I guess for, for Florida state. And then the other guy that's coming in on the same day is Musa Cisse, who's, who's this kid who, who grew up in, um, Guinea, I believe, and then moved to New York city. And somehow he has ended up in Memphis, there's lots of fun things happening with, with recruitment in Memphis yeah. these days. And he, and he's like legitimate candidate for the number one player in the class. Um, power forward. He's about, he's probably about six, nine now. And he is, uh, he is just an absolute uh, stud in terms of just physical ability. He's got a long way to go. Um, you know, it's like when John Isaac showed up and he was kind of raw with just massive upside. Um, and Cisse is kind of in that same boat. He's just, he's just massive upside, crazy, a crazy athlete for, for his size and can do it all. So a raw athletic big man with a lot of upside, uh, but needs some refining. I, I feel like we've got a coach on staff <laughs> who's had some success with those types of players. Is, is that, uh, is, is coach Jones maybe part of the attraction there? Yeah, you know, Coach Jones, he, he uh, I think he was the three-time coach of the year in, in Tennessee state basketball history. And this was back in, you know, a long time ago. He, he, he was a, basically, for those who don't know, Coach Jones was just a legendary high school coach. He, he had some of the most dominant um, teams back in the day before there were all these academies, you know, and you had, you had actual high school teams. Um, so yeah, he's he's from Memphis. He's got uh, Coach Jones has degrees from Memphis. So he 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 has lots of connections in Memphis. And uh, there's actually the the next kid we're going to talk about is is another uh, Memphis player. Uh, this guy uh, Kennedy Chandler, who's probably the best point guard in the class. Um, yeah, he's coming he in for. Explosive. Yeah, he's he's coming in for North Carolina, which is interesting because he's if I if I were to pick, I would say he's he's going to end up playing at North Carolina. Um, he's also a Memphis kid, but he's like a legit Memphis kid. And I don't know, I don't know that, that, uh, he's, there's a lot of talk that he really wants to get out of Memphis. Um, I could see him playing for Tennessee. I could see him playing North Carolina, Florida state, obviously. Um, but he, he's the kid who just released his top 10, right. And it was kind of an eclectic group with, with the standard Carolina Dukes and Kansas, but also the, the Ole Miss, I think, and the Tennessee. And, and I guess if you want to throw Florida state into the kind of up and coming group. Yeah. The sort of surprises on there were no Syracuse. He, he took an official visit to Syracuse. Um, and I guess was not impressed. Um, by the nose picker and then he also uh 
Auburn was in there and not in his final 10. So those were two, the two sort of surprises. It would, it would have been a little awkward for Florida State not to be in his top 10, considering he's already had an official visit scheduled. But right. uh, we are in there. We have, we have a chance. I wouldn't get uh, hopes up because, you know, as we've seen, weird stuff happens with, with uh, five-star recruiting. Absolutely. And all, it is interesting that you mentioned too, that, so UNC is perceived as one of his uh, maybe favorites. Uh, of course, UNC is a lot of kids' favorites, uh, despite their, their pedestrian record this year, but that he's coming in to visit uh, Florida State when we play UNC. So interesting chance to kind of see the styles and, you know, potential teammates on both teams right there. Uh, ho- hopefully we can pack the tough for that one. Uh, is there anyone else that maybe doesn't have a visit on the books, but someone that is, is going to be coming to Tallahassee. Yeah. Michael Foster, who's uh, um, another guy who's, who's, you know, candidate for top, for top player in the class. He uh, was from Wisconsin and then he ends up out in Arizona at Hillcrest prep, which is where, uh, um, uh, what's his name from Arizona played. Um, Nico Mannion. Totally. No, I'm sorry. I'm totally, totally spacing this. Anyway. Um, Maybe you can fill it in in the comments. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's out, he's out in Arizona playing um, his high school ball and he is, uh, um, you know, a totally dominant guy and DeAndre Ayton, that's the name I'm trying, I'm trying to mm. come up with. Um so he he's kind of the the same style as as Aiton, and uh, uh, he hasn't picked an actual date yet to come to Florida State, but the rumor is that he's coming. Um, so we've got what is that four guys that are all um, you know top top forty five you know, forty yeah. exactly, and three and three of them are probably going to be top ten. Yeah, whether or not we land land any of them is another story, but but we've definitely catching uh, people's attention on the recruiting trail that we weren't um, able to in the past. And with this particular kid, maybe the FBI, uh, you know, investigation into Arizona will, will help, uh, you know, sort of lure him back, back, back over here to the East coast. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what, it's great to be included in these kids lists, even if you don't land them, I, I think it just shows the elevation of the program. Uh, and, and so, you know, these kids all travel together on the same AAU circuits. They all get invited to the same postseason all-star events. They all play in the same, you know, Team USA uh, spot. So if you can get one kid to come and visit, and and even if he doesn't come, but tells some of his, you know, folks that he's on the circuit with, like, oh yeah, that was a fun trip, or um, they really uh, have a family culture, or you know, I, you know, they've had some success there that just starts to, to snowball. So it's, it's never a bad thing to get any of these kids on campus. And Hey, you never know. Uh, there was, there weren't a lot of thoughts that someone like a Scotty Barnes or a MJ Walker was going to commit early on. Most of the crystal balls were elsewhere and, and they committed after, after visiting. What about one more name before we uh, move on to some games to watch? There's been some chatter about Jonathan uh, Kamunga, who is a 2021 kid, but may actually even reclassify to 2020. Have you heard anything about him? Yeah, I've heard sort of mixed things on on the reclass. Um, I I, I kind of doubt that it's. I think he's going to stay twenty 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 one. But yeah, he's another in the the line of um, you know just crazy talented. Uh, he, he's probably going to be. He's the actually number one. the number one ranked recruit in twenty twenty one right now. Correct. 
Yeah, and I think if you switch classes, he'd still be number one. Like he's probably he's probably the number one guy overall. Uh, he plays for uh, St. Patrick in in Jersey, yeah, uh, which is sort of a le- legendary program. Um, and so yeah, so this is two years in a row that we've um, you know kind of had a number one guy who's who's talking about Florida State. You know, last year it was it was obviously Anthony Edwards who ended up at Georgia. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just good to have those guys you know, talk in Florida State, you know, amongst all their buddies. Absolutely. So, so we've got a pair of, a pair of guys coming in uh, for the Notre Dame game on J- January 25th, Pat Tuck for that, and, uh, and a big-time recruit, Kennedy Chandler, coming in for the UNC game on February 3rd. So everyone want to show up and be loud and proud there as well. Uh, we don't have a game this weekend. We don't play again until UVA on Wednesday, and we're going to do a preview pod for that on Tuesday. So check, uh, you know, check out that one when it comes out. Uh, so, but let's talk a little bit about some of the other, if folks are interested in watching some basketball this weekend, it's kind of the first full weekend of conference basketball. College football season is essentially over. I know we've got the NFL playoffs going on. I'm a huge Packers fan. We're going to roll uh, tomorrow. But if you want to check out some of the college basketball going on, um, why don't we start in the ACC, uh, a game that was I had on, on my list here is uh, Louisville at Notre Dame. Uh, and, and that, you know, it's always tough to go into Notre Dame and get a win. Uh, and, and Louisville is a team we just beat. We played both teams twice. So from a strength of schedule standpoint, not a huge difference maker. But, Michael, we probably want Notre Dame to win that game, right? Absolutely. I am I am all in on the the 2 3 seed horse for for the ACC tournament and Louisville is one of those uh, well we, we want to avoid Duke. There Duke's going right? to be the number 1 seed. We want to avoid Duke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And, and t- until the final. Yeah. So that that means we don't want to be the 4 seed and I I think even if we beat Duke um you know in a few weeks at when we're playing the Matt Cameron I still think they're going to you know be the top seed in the conference so we're really pushing after that 2-3 seed and Louisville's one of those teams that we're competing against so we want them to lose yeah no and and another team maybe the only other team that could be pushing for that uh the 3-4 the 2-3 seed because I'm just going to assume here that Boston College's uh early hot start tails off uh, we've got Q's at UVA, uh, and so there, similarly, I, I think we're pulling for Q's, right? Yeah, I think so. Q's, I don't think, has a chance to really – if, if we're battling the them. <laughs> right. Yeah, if we're yeah. battling them for seeding, we got bigger, we got bigger problems than who wins this game. Um, yeah, we want Virginia – basically, we want Virginia and Louisville to, to drop some games um, – just to give us that that best chance to get into the two three. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest and say that it doesn't feel like a, a great shot for Q's to win at UVA. I mean, just given UVA's defense and that Syracuse, other than Elijah Hughes, really doesn't have a whole lot. But um, but you know what, UVA has dropped some head scratchers already, including South Carolina uh, at home. So anything is possible. The UL at Notre Dame game uh, is really interesting, and, and I, I, that's a great contrasting battle of styles there. One other one from the ACC. Um, Clemson at UNC, neither team appears all that good at the moment, uh, but Clemson has never won in, they, they have not won at UNC since the dawn of, of the invention of basketball. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I, they haven't, which is just, Oh, and 59 played what 59 times. Yes. <laughs> 60th time is the charm is, is that is correct say. in Chapel Hill. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I kind of want them to win just because it would be awesome to see North Carolina lose to someone they've beaten 59 straight times. But I also kind of want them to lose just so that the streak – it's not even a streak. It's just so that all time continues. Yes. So, yes. Own 60 is... Exactly right. So that forever <laughs> continues to be forever. Yeah. Right. And and it's Clemson, you know, Brad. It's, I don't know. It'll be a fun game to watch, and I don't care who wins. But it's a good story both ways. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll definitely be tuning into that one. Yeah, I feel like if UNC loses that game, so they let's see, they got blown out by by Georgia Tech. Um, then Pitt, they they had actually a fourteen point lead and managed to lose that one, despite uh, a great all around game from Garrison Brooks, who really seems to be the only player for UNC that's that's you know sport uh, representing the Tar Heel uniform right now. Um, I feel like if they lose this one, that is very ripe for the, what was the dumb and dumber? I mean, we're losing to Georgia tech and Pitt. our pets heads are falling off. You know, I mean, I, I can't even imagine it gets worse than losing at home to Clemson in basketball for UNC. Um, yeah. When they, when they lost at home to Wofford, that was kind of a head scratcher. And now looking back on it, it's just like, well, well yeah, of course they lost at home to Wofford. Yeah. They're losing they home to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's in the ACC nationally speaking. So what, what range, if we were going to start doing these kind of games of interest and bracket matrix watch right now, where is some of the early January, uh, you know, bracket kind of, and I'm not, when I say bracketology, I'm not talking about Lenardi, but the, all the brackets uh, coming together. Where, where's Florida State at right now? Yeah, for anybody who's not familiar with with bracketmatrix.com, you you should become familiar with it because you know what they do is they just aggregate all of the uh, bracketologists into one um, you know big system and and uh, kind of level it out that way. And it's got a it's got a really good track record. Um, so you can you can actually look at it. So right now, uh, after the last update, Florida State was the last number three seed Um, right ahead of them was Maryland who got smoked last night um, I guess at Iowa and so they they uh, they Florida State is probably the third number three seed right now and so what we (laughs) what we want is for the for the teams ahead of us um, and right behind us to to be losing in order to solidify our position you know Florida State's never, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but they've ne- three seeds, the best Florida State's ever been. In that the, that in is correct. And, and I, so yes, we've been a three seed now, I think uh, three times, uh, if I'm, if I'm right. And uh, yeah, three or four. Yeah. One, three or four. One of them was back in the eighties. And, and to be fair, they didn't really seed teams. Like it, it was different when we had our final four team. Uh, there was not 64 teams. And so kind of a different format, but since the 64 format, uh, I think, three seeds the highest and I'll be honest I don't know that we can I mean maybe a two seed feels possible here but we unfortunately we need some of our wins earlier in the year while we are 14 and two we need some of these wins to pick up some of their own wins uh, because it when you when you look at the resume of how many what we call now quad one wins and even quad one a which is kind of the tip top wins and you can pair out with the the Dukes the Kansas the Michigan States and stuff I just a one seed even feels off the table already unless we were to legit run the table um, and maybe a two seed. And to your point, it's really going to depend on what all the other teams around us do in this national landscape. Uh, so, so who are some of those teams that, what are some games this weekend? So are, are you telling the the listeners that they should be rooting for the Florida Gators? Is that what I'm hearing? I, I am. We okay. right now that, we have two quad one, a wins, right? We have, 
at Louisville and at, actually I'm not even sure Florida is a 1A they kind of vac- vacillate back and forth on the net we could have two quad 1A wins if they pick up a few more wins and that would be at Louisville and at UF uh, and we need to have both of those be be highly valued wins okay so so Matt is recommending root for Florida I'm I'm just saying they're playing at Missouri today uh, they've won uh, three straight I think and it would definitely be <laughs> behoove Florida State for, for Florida to, you know, they, they do this, have done this regularly lately where they Every year. struggle. Yeah, Every they year. struggle a little bit out of conference play and then they get into the SEC and you get a lot of easy wins. And, and the and SEC the, does not have the depth of talent. That exactly. The they've, they've got kind of a, str- a tough stretch coming up um, at the end of January, but they should be able to get through the SEC with like 13 wins or something. Yeah. And in order, order to do that, uh, you know, beating was, you know, winning at Missouri, who's actually decent this year, you know, that, that would be, you know, that would go a long way to them. It would. And road wins are extra points in the net too, right? They, they, they yeah. physically count as, or they actually count as a like more than one win. You get 1.4 credit. So. Yeah. So, so, so road wins huge. And then um, tomorrow, uh, Michigan State, who is just ahead of us in the bracket matrix, um, they travel to Purdue, so that's like mm. a double dipper, yeah, um, for us. Where we we need Purdue to pick, they've played well, but they've also lost too many games. Um, you know, we we need them to really pick it up, and if they could knock off, you know, a, a nationally ranked, you know, top ten Michigan State team, that would that would be huge for 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 us. Yeah, they just blew a double OT game against Minnesota. That again, the Big Ten has a lot of like we just talked about Florida with the SEC. It's kind of the opposite in the Big Ten. Florida would probably win eight games in the Big Ten. But um, another one tomorrow is is Memphis at USF, which not that USF is going to be a quad one win, but they could eventually – they could get into that quad two range because we played them on a neutral court. We get a little more credit for that. Um, and Memphis with, with Wiseman not there anymore has kind of been up and down. So that's a game that – that USF, you know, it wouldn't be unreasonable to think they could pull the upset at home. Uh, and then there's also that Baylor at Kansas game, which, which aside from just being a great basketball game uh, in what is sure to be a phenomenal uh, Allen Fieldhouse environment, wh- who do you think between the two of them, what do you think is more realistic that we could catch? Um, I think we probably want Kansas to win there. Uh, Baylor, the, you know, they're both ranked like top five, so that we won't necessarily jump them in the AP poll, uh, re- regardless of who wins. But Kansas is a significantly better team, I think, and so our 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 hopes would be if we're going to pass one of them, it Baylor's going to be the one. Yeah, I I do think that Baylor. I think there's enough opportunities in the Big Twelve for Baylor to pick up losses. Uh, West Virginia, Oklahoma, with Christian Doolittle's been playing well. Um, you know, Texas has a lot of talent, even though they don't necessarily have a great coach. Um, I, I do think that Baylor, even if they might be a better team, maybe than Florida state, I think we could catch them on the S curve just if they piled up enough losses. Yeah. The big 12 is legit. I mean, you're going to, you're going to drop some games just going through that schedule. It's, it's like the ACC from recent years. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, give us a give us a shout out in the comments uh, or Twitter of who you think, uh, which team you think would beat the other uh, for the for the all decade draft. And we will be back on Tuesday with an update uh, or with a preview, excuse me, of the of the big UVA showdown 
on Wednesday. Uh, for, for Michael Rogner, I'm Matt Minnick, and go Knowles.